Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Welcome in to the Lions 24-7 podcast. Tyler Donahue, Sean Fitz with you as always. And it's been a busy week in Happy Valley. A lot to discuss here. Um, last week, right before we recorded, got news of Sean Spencer departing the program. A uh, longtime veteran of this staff, leaving a void at the defensive line coaching position. We've got an update for you. Uh, what we're hearing um, as they look to fill that vacancy in the coming days get to that later on. We also had a chance to be introduced to the three newest coaching staff hires, all on the offensive side of the football during a Wednesday press conference. That was Kirk Sharaka, the quarterback's coach and offensive coordinator, Phil Troutwine, the offensive line coach, and Taylor Stubblefield, the wide receivers coach. Some takeaways, some audio from there. But first, we start with the NCAA transfer portal. News surfaced early in the week about a reserve member of Penn State's roster, DJ Brown, a backup defensive back, a redshirt junior to be entering the portal, but certainly overshadowed as we learned just as we were walking out of Penn State facilities on Wednesday. Ricky Slade, the former five-star composite prospect, uh, the starter at running back for the first two Penn State games of the 2019 season, has entered the portal. He's exploring his other options. Something as we'll get to, it, not surprising considering the circumstance, but maybe a bit surprising considering the tone uh, of kind of how he was discussing his future at Penn State not too long ago. And Sean, uh, this is the way of the world. His That announcement, the breaking news of him going in the portal is just hours after Justin Shorter signs officially with the Florida Gators, two marquee members of that 2018 recruiting class, and another reminder of how quickly things can move in this college football landscape. And how quickly those stars go away when they get onto campus. I mean, this is uh, really, as you mentioned it, not really a surprise. And when you think about uh, you know, the fanfare that Ricky Slade came in with, and that's all well in the past now. Um, you know, it's it's one of those things that happens with college football. And, you know, it, it, you look at two different situations here. Justin obviously, you know, had a, a lot in front of him in terms of opportunity. You know, you asked James Franklin yesterday about the uh, about the wide receivers, and he mentioned, you know, he admitted clearly that there's a, there's a hole out there that they need to address. And, you know, Justin Schroeder would have fit nicely in there. On the flip side, you got Ricky Slade, a guy that's really just, you know, been passed up. And that's that that is what it is. And you can't really blame him for wanting to look elsewhere. It's a four back rotation. You knew there was going to be some sort of attrition. You weren't 
completely sure, but it made the most sense for Ricky Slade to go elsewhere. Um, a fresh start is just one of the things that, that, that can help him. I think he's a very talented player. I think that uh, probably it was going to be very tough. I mean, once you've been passed up, it's, it's, it's one thing to be low on the totem pole and, you know, a guy is above you, say, you know, be, be like a Devin Ford versus a Journey Brown right now where that guy's always above you. But when you go from the top of that, you know, suddenly to the bottom, that's a that's a big difference. So wouldn't be shocked if he, uh, you know, ended up maybe taking a look at Old Dominion or something like that. I think it'd be a great, uh, great fit for, for, for Ricky Slade down there. But I think there's going to be plenty of interest. You know, this is one of those things that, you know, we we're, we talk about the stars sometimes. And by the way, Ricky Slade, the only prospect I've ever seen to beat the math because he was a four-star in 24-7, a four-star on ESPN, a four-star in Rivals, but a composite five-star five somehow. We talked about that when he signed. It was crazy. Um, but, you know, there's going to be plenty of interest just based on his high school resume and the potential that he once showed. But, uh, yeah, that's how quickly things move these days. I mean, this is the end of his true sophomore year. Now, all of a sudden, he's going to be, you know, either sitting out a year or finding a different spot where he can, he can play right away. Um, and it really doesn't change much for Penn State because they've got so many guys, um, you know, so many guys, horses in the stable, if you want to go on the cliche route. But you've got Journey Brown there. You've got, we saw what uh, Noah Kane can do. You saw glimpses of what Devin Ford can do. And as you mentioned, or as we've mentioned, you're very high on Noah Kane. I'm very high on Devin Ford. I think the, the tremendous talents for both of them. And then you add Keziah Holmes to the mix in January. And all of a sudden, you know, that's a, that's a lot of backs, man. That's a lot of backs, not many carries, just one football to go around. Ricky Slade had a bunch of offers by the end of his first year of high school. He was a record-setting player down there at CDA Hilton High School during his prep career. Uh, ended up with 30-plus options at the college level. It was a big win for Penn State to get him on board. He ended up being the 2017 Gatorade Player of the Year in Virginia. Just didn't quite materialize, although it seemed to be on the right track entering the 2019 season. He was the understudy to Miles Sanders uh, in 2018. Six touchdowns in that role. He averaged almost six yards per carry. Uh, but we saw very early on here in, in 2019 that it wasn't going to be a bell cow running back situation like it was with Sanders and before that with Barkley it was going to be the ball getting spread around guys are going to have a chance to step up fall behind and in Ricky's case he fell behind a bit and I think you know one thing that that we'll get to in a moment with J1 Sider is there was a bit of a resurgence for Ricky because things got really rough for him and and you, you had a lot of fans you know basically wondering if he was going to enter the transfer portal during the season and like Justin Shorter ultimately did uh, but he came through you know, a little bit of a rebound late in the season uh, and just some thoughts on him I had a chance to speak with him in the locker room down at the Cotton Bowl in Dallas and you know six weeks ago at this point uh, and there you know he kind of talked about walking across the coals he called it a roller coaster and and here are his words about the the whole 2019 experience you know, it was a roller coaster. It was the first time I've had to face a type of adversity like this. Um, I feel like it helped me grow as a as a football player, as a man. Uh, you know, I don't I don't look at it as a as a as a negative. I don't I, I kind of look at it as a positive. You know, sit back. You know, really get to appreciate the game. You know, how how fast it can really just be taken away from you, whether it's injuries or not. And uh, just you know, sit back, keep my head down, and, and work on the things that I need to work on. And quickly, our conversation there turned to the future. And I said, well, you know, now that you've experienced this, Kazai Holmes, Kevon Lee, these guys are highly uh, coveted recruits that are now adding to the mix. And Slade said, yeah, we're going to show them how we do things. We're going to embrace this competitive nature and move forward and carry it forward. But again, this is a guy now two years of college eligibility left. When you get the kind of attention from the Power 5 level at the young age that Ricky got, 
him, his family certainly have aspirations to continue his football career beyond the college level. Um, I think he's a guy who can pr- provide some dynamic things for you as a receiver. Still waiting to see him really show that that he can be a consistent rusher, especially between the tackles. Um, but you know, it, it, this makes sense for him from a personal standpoint. And like you said, it's not like he's really sticking it to Penn State. He's leaving a backfield in a very good situation. Yeah, I mean that's that's it's just one of those ones that makes sense, and it's an unfortunate reality of college football these days. And I don't I don't know that the portal changes all that much with a situation like Ricky Slade, where he's got you know Journey Brown was was fantastic the last month of the season into the bowl game. Uh, you know you saw you know Noah can't even started a game, and obviously he didn't finish it and didn't didn't last very long. I believe that was the Michigan State game. Um, but uh, you know there's there's a lot of really good backs there, and if you slip up, that's what happens. So I mean you can't really can't really argue this one. I mean we. We could go back and forth on on shorter and all that kind of stuff all day, but I mean, this one really just kind of makes sense. And the same, you know, I I know we kind of, you know, I feel bad for DJ Brown because we kind of passed him off to the side, but it's the same thing. I mean, it's a you, you hate to say it because there's these are. Um, decisions that will, you know, ultimately alter the the course of a player's life. But it's also the sign of a healthy program. This isn't like last year where you're seeing this mass exodus of guys that, you know, trying to want to get out and get a fresh start. I mean, you've got a couple of these guys and and James Franklin mentioned it yesterday. He was asked how close they are to that 85 scholarship. And it's going to be it's going to be a tight one. It's going to be tighter than you think. Uh, Now, ultimately, you know, do you ever land at 85? And, you know, is our our numbers ever, you know, do you you ever find yourself in that situation where you're going to be over no I mean things take care of themselves and and numbers take care of themselves but yeah it's going to be a lot harder to getting to 85 this year than it was uh you know any years any years in the past if you're following this program when Kane went down with that injury after his in his first start at Michigan State and they were going into November they were on beating ranked fourth in the college football playoff rankings you thought maybe that that window is back open for Ricky Slade to seize the day and of course it ultimately ended up being Journey Brown and they put a lot of eggs in his basket in a way they had not done with that backfield at any point in 2019 and, and Brown validated that in November but November just reviewing it was something I wrote yesterday Sean Slade didn't have a carry against Minnesota when they came out of that second bye week he got stopped at the goal line on a screen pass on a two-point conversion that was talked about at length after that game uh, he had one carry for one yard against Indiana the next week and then with a Big Ten title game spot on the line at Ohio State, Slade wasn't with the team. He was not there because of a violation of team rules. And, you know, you, you start stringing those together and it was not the way you'd want to see it go for Slade. He had 36 yards against Rutgers on six carries in the regular season finale. He went for a season high in yards, almost 60 yards in the Cotton Bowl when everybody ran wild. Um, and I think we talked about this a lot. We'll give the final word on the Slade situation and, and give you an indication of maybe where his career could still take him uh, with these words from the running backs coach for Penn State. He's such a great kid, man. I love him like my own son, man. I said, and I think his 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 future's still bright. I mean, no matter what people think of outside this building, as long as he thinks he's he's okay, and that's what I tell him all the time because he is. Ricky Slade is one of the most talented kids in the country. I still believe that, and I go to my grave thinking that way. From the transfer portal to National Signing Day, Sean and I spoke about this on the last episode. This was a very interesting set of circumstances. We are so accustomed to the first Wednesday in February being a day where you get up early, go to bed late, and do a lot of reporting and writing in between. Wasn't the case this year. We've seen some guys get signed late. A couple years ago, Rasheed Walker was the only member of the late signing period that, that got on board for the 2018 class. A few more last year. None 
uh, in terms of scholarship additions. A couple walk-ons were announced. Sean, you had a, a write-up on uh, all the walk-ons who are going to be joining Penn State. Pretty impressive group, guys who maybe had opportunities to, to pursue scholarships elsewhere. But in this case, there were no surprises coming our way in the morning. And by the time we got around to 1230 and James Franklin walked into the press conference at Beaver Stadium, no one was really inclined to talk about signing day. It was about these new coaching hires. We got them later on. Um, and, and that was really the topic of conversation, which, again, strange set of circumstances because of what we've experienced year after year after year on this first Wednesday in February. Man, I was sitting at my laptop on Tuesday and I'm just I'm, I'm planning out the week and, you know, I play basketball a couple of times a week and I was, you know, thinking about Wednesday and what I would do. And then I was like. Oh shit! Wednesday is signing day, and 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 that's you know it's that's obviously not the it's not the normal, but you know Penn State I think signed four or five guys last year with Smith Filbert and uh, uh, Joseph Darkwell and a couple of other guys uh, in that mix, and it was just like wow, we're just kind of like we're just going to pass this whole or gloss this whole thing over, and you know with with twenty seven guys signing in December, it's not a surprise, but it's just we think about how big signing day used to be on this first uh, February Wednesday. And it's just, uh, it's crazy to think about, but you know, here we are where I, I liked it. I'm sure you liked it too. Um, it was, uh, it was great to, to do a walk on preview and you know, it's, that's where we're at, but we did get to, to meet a couple of the new assistant coaches. Uh, Kirk Chirac was out there, Phil Troutwine, Taylor Stubblefield met with the media, but of course we got James Franklin as well. Franklin, uh, you know, of course, I think he was asked what one or two recruiting questions really. Maybe. And, <laughs> yeah, and that's uh, he was talking about the new staff. He was you asked him about the receivers. He gave a very good answer. I mean, very very candid answer. It's just like, hey, we got to get better at receivers. So um, not a ton that you can take away from this press conference, but you know he was pretty upfront about where he stands with with a lot of issues. Yeah, still searching for uh, another coach at defensive line. We'll talk about that a little bit later here in the episode. That's the one spot they have to fill on defense in terms of a position coach, but it's been a progressive formulation of a new-look staff on offense where we said all of a sudden Tyler Bowen, tight ends coach, who has not been around that long, is the veteran member of that group. Kirk Shiraka hired on December 26th, brought down to Dallas immediately for the Cotton Bowl, was on the sideline for that game. Phil Troutwine coming on board January 3rd uh, after Matt Lyme Grover's contract was re- not renewed. And then Taylor Stubblefield a little bit later on, January 19th. So he's only on week three of, of his job with Penn State. So everybody in varying st- circumstances. But the interesting thing here, all of them came on board after the recruiting class was signed. And, and you know, so they're all playing catch up. It was a topic of conversation there. Um, but additionally, Franklin was essentially asked, when you are formulating your plan for who you're going to bring on board, and we know he has long lists uh, put together, and, and there's a lot of things he wants to, to check off on those lists. Um, you know, how is it piecing together personalities and guys from different parts of the country? What goes into that conversation? He gave a, a general assessment of how they got to this point, what his game plan has been, and, and what he sees for the future um, off the bat here. What happens is, you know, the time that we hired, you know, you're on the road. You know, with these guys, seeing how they interact. Um, I have all my guys, once we hire them, I have all my guys, if we have the ability to still go visit, um, you know, the homes and the schools of all of our, of our new players. But then I also think it's really important that they call all the parents of our current players um, to introduce themselves, and, and that relationship is critical. So we're all working to pour our hearts and souls into these, these, these young men. So, um, so far, so good. I've gotten great feedback uh, from all the parents. I've gotten great feedback from our current players. And early on, a lot of that talk was about the offense, and and, and rightfully so. I mean, you kind of 
uh, go into it with a different uh, mindset. You, you think back to 2016 or 2015 when Joe Moorhead was hired, and you know that offense needed blown up. They needed something different, and he brought something different. Then you you look two years later with Ricky Ronnie, and you want to ride that train as long as you possibly can. Now you're kind of in the middle of that zone where yeah, you can bring in some new things, but hey, this you know we we won 11 games this year. We we want to keep continuity with the players that we have on our roster, that type of thing. Um, so you bring in a guy like Kirk. Chiraco, who runs something similar, they're not going to blow it up. They're not going to do all this uh, crazy stuff where you're you're all of a sudden running a different offense. You know, terminology is going to be different. Uh, things are going to look a little different when you get into to the spring game and and, and get going. Um, I mean, it's just a it's it, it's a different situation, but it's really not. So I think that 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 continuity is going to you know elevate the rest of this offense and, and keep things rolling the way that they're going to do. Like we mentioned before, they're going to run on the football a lot, and I think that's really what it's going to come back to you bring in a guy like Phil Troutwine who I talked to for a while yesterday really impressed with the the way that he carried himself and the way that he's uh, I guess embraced being a technical guy even at 33 years old which you know it usually comes with a little bit more experience than that so uh, I'm interested to see which direction this offense goes but it really it's just not going to see a ton of different looks um, from what we're going to see on the field uh, this fall compared to last year. You are just talking about this as Mark Brennan sends us both a text that he just posted a video of, of Troutwine breaking down some of that technical approach that he's going to bring. Uh, Troutwine was great yesterday. Got to give him credit for his first meeting. Everybody was everybody was really interesting to speak with because uh, in, in Shiraka's case, he's been you know a topic of conversation for six weeks now. He's he's been around for a while, and we've had to wait to get him. Um, you know, and and the big question is going to be what does he think of this personnel? He's coming from a situation um, at Minnesota to where you know he didn't have the blue chip recruit stockpile that Penn State has put together but look at the stat sheets from last year and compare them and, and you gotta like what he accomplished I've gone over it before Tanner Morgan made a major leap as a redshirt sophomore put himself you know to be considered a top 10 15 quarterback in a lot of metrics you look at the wide receiver position two guys went over 1200 receiving yards both of them had 11 touchdowns and they had a couple running backs go over 600 yards one of whom went over 1100 yards and five different guys scored six or more touchdowns uh, for Minnesota last year so there's a lot to like about that but he is now transitioning He's getting a chance to, to match names to faces, and spring ball will tell a lot, but as Kirk, Shira- Kirk Shiraka noted here in his first interaction with us, um, you know he's been busy trying to evaluate what exactly he has on this roster and what he's going to go to work with when they hit the practice field in March. I've had my iPad with me the whole time recruiting, so when I had any time I had any downtime, I was watching their film right of their season last year and trying to get a feel for trying to get a head start on what do they do well um what how can we build this what are we going to merge into this thing with them um what are their weaknesses uh with it so i've been working on that but really you know you really get a real feel for that as you go through spring ball you know and you really start working with them and communicating with them and explaining to them what you're looking for and now you really get a really good chance to evaluate their skill sets. And I, I think that one of the things that I do every year, it doesn't matter where I'm coaching at, how many years I've been there, when spring ball is over, you know, and I look at the cut-ups from spring practice, I'm not really looking at the schemes or necessarily the mistakes. I'm looking at the skill sets. What, what came natural to them? What did they really grasp? What don't they understand? What might not be in their wheelhouse, right? And what do we need to do moving forward? 
Clearly, every player is under the microscope right now with Kirk Shiraka. He did not recruit any of them to Happy Valley. Uh, he is trying to assemble the best 11 he can, get them on the field, score a bunch of points, win a bunch of games. And uh, that's his uh, prerogative right now. And, and the guy who's in the front end of that spotlight has to be Sean Clifford. You mentioned last year the leap that Tanner Morgan made. He's the same age as Sean Clifford. He was in year three. Clifford now moving into year four. He's got a year as a starter under his belt. And there's no doubt about it, Sean. This is going to be the storyline centrally. The passing game at large, you tie in the wide receiver issue there. Uh, what's going to happen in that room? But it starts with Sean Clifford and what Kirk Sharaka can do with him in 2020. When you listen to James Franklin, you, you kind of got to filter out the, 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 I guess, the coach speak and all that kind of stuff and listen for the repeated themes. One thing that he said a couple of times on Wednesday, this is not a rebuild job. This is not something that Kirk Shirock is going to walk into like he did at Western Michigan, like he did at Minnesota, where they've got to take time and build that back up. He wants that year three, that Tanner Morgan transformation with Sean Clifford to happen in year one. And I think that was a very telling statement. Uh, I think that when he was asked about his quarterbacks, when he was asked about some of that stuff, um, you know, he, he basically said, actually, when you asked him about the receivers, the first thing he said was, we got to be more consistent throwing the ball. This, so, the whole think, field, he said, you got, we got to be able to distribute across the whole field. And that's something we consistently, you, you were first off on that early in the season, but it was a, it was a theme throughout the season where it didn't seem like Clifford had that whole peripheral feel for the passing game. And some of that's the offense. Some of that is just breaking in a new quarterback, but it really never developed from there. And, and really, we saw that all season long, and it really hindered the offense. So now all of a sudden, you're turning around. You're expecting a lot more out of Sean Clifford, and you're expecting Kirk Shiraka to be the guy that gets him there. And he was asked uh, as well, Shiraka, you know, what do you, what do you like in a quarterback? You know, he doesn't really come from necessarily a long track record. Uh, uh, dual threat quarterbacks, although he was quick to point out one he had, Andy Hall, uh, at, at back at Delaware, it was a sixth round uh, draft pick in the NFL. Um, but you know, Tandon Morgan wasn't a guy who scared you with his legs. Certainly Joe Flacco is a name that's brought up. He's not, he's not fitting that mold. Um, uh, but he says whenever he gets to a new campus and the recruiting guys want to know what he wants, he just says, I want a good quarterback. We're going to play to the strengths of the quarterback. We're going to tailor our system that way. And very much he reiterated it. Franklin reiterated it. It's not a blow-up job. It's not a rebuild. Like you said, they have a plan in place that there's going to be a lot of things that, that look familiar from 2019. How can they enhance that? What can they bring in that worked in Minnesota? Again, it starts with Sean Clifford. He was asked for an initial assessment of Clifford, and there's a long way to go on that relationship. There's a lot uh, of scrutinizing, I'm sure, that Sharaka is going to do when it comes to Clifford and his fit in this offensive scheme and what he wants him to take steps forward in 2020. Uh, but here was the initial first public thoughts on his new quarterback. I love Sean. Um, you know, I think when I got down to the Cotton Bowl, he was – I'm pretty sure he was the first guy that uh, I had a conversation with. Um, as soon as I got out of the car, they were coming out, and he saw me and came over to introduce myself, and we began to talk and uh, felt a real connection right away uh, with him. Um, very intelligent, very hard worker, um, absolutely wants to be great, right? He wants to be great, and he's willing to pay the price in order to accomplish that, right? So I'm really excited to work with him and help him realize his potential. And before we move on to the new uh, other new members of the staff, uh, one thing that jumped out to me about what Franklin said, and this is kind of uh, runs counter to what I thought we would see from this Raka offense, is, is that 
James Franklin still expects to run the ball with the quarterback. Now, maybe not as much as they did last year. Obviously, Sean Clifford was was blown up a few times, and and by the end of the season was was you know a little bit worse for wear. Um, but still, that's going to be an aspect that they're going to keep in. That's I think that's one of those core principles that James Franklin likes to have in there. And I can see they've had some some success with it in the past, especially with Trace McSorley. But that's not going to completely go away. So I thought I thought that was important to bring up. Um, we're going to we're going to talk about Kirk Sherrock and Sean Clifford with the passing game, but also with the running game he's going to stay a part of it in the last two years by the time you got into early November your quarterback was, was you know certainly not where he needed to be to, to run this offense full throttle Trace McSorley in 18 uh, Sean Clifford last year so that will be an approach to watch moving ahead here the passing game again it, it's going to be something that has to get better and the receiver group was something that Franklin when asked you know I threw that question out there it's something we've talked about a lot on the podcast you, know, you look beyond K.J. Hamler, who's now getting ready for the NFL. No one in either of the last two years averaged more than two catches per game. That goes for people who are on the roster in 18 and 19 and who aren't on the roster now. Just no receiver not named K.J. Hamler averaged more than two catches per game. And that's a problem that can't be sustained here in 2020. I don't care how good Pat Fryermuth is. I don't care how good your running back group is. If this team wants to take that next step, be a true college football championship playoff contender, they got to find some solutions there. And, and you know, T- Taylor Stubblefield, welcome to campus. This is your unit. Uh, the, the word that popped up over and over and over again uh, with Franklin, with Stubblefield, stability. He has been a nomad of sorts. He is not alone in that. It's a common theme in college football coaching guys relocating uh with frequency uh but james franklin i think has had enough of the revolving door at his receiver room at at a leadership position i think he made that very clear yesterday and i'd have to imagine he did that during the conversations that led to stubblefield being hired and to stubblefield he says he needs this he needs stability he needs to be somewhere where he can sink his teeth in the situation for three four years these are his words and he and stubblefield also said uh you know we'll see if it holds true he said if i get a call next year and someone wants to hire me as their offensive coordinator, I'm going to say no because I'm not ready and I, I need to understand that I need to to follow Sharaka's lead and follow Franklin's lead. And, you know, he went over how he, he got to know Franklin 12 years ago when he was in his first year as an assistant with Eastern Michigan and they played Maryland. He was told that Franklin was a guy that he needed to introduce himself to. That happened. Uh, they maintained some sort of, you know, uh, text back and forth, minor communication over about a dozen year span. He represented Air Force a few years back and came to a developmental opportunity at Penn State for, for just two or three days and got a chance to see Franklin and that staff in action and really get a, get the sense that he is fulfilling a, a big goal getting on Franklin's staff, a guy he has really admired. But you know, both these guys, you know, there's no nothing set in stone. He said there's no contractual obligation to stay for a long time, um, but they both very much made it a point to tell us, members of the media, that they're in for the long haul with this relationship. Two things. Number one, I know James appreciates the stat that you gave him before your question about those uh, two catches. He looked really thrilled to be hearing that probably for the first time. Uh, Number two, if someone tries to hire Taylor Stubblefield next year as an offensive coordinator, that's probably going to be a different conversation than we're having right now. So uh, I appreciate the sentiment on Stubblefield's part, but somebody wants you to be a coordinator. That's obviously a, a big step up and it'd be something. But yes, that stability, I think, is necessary um, for the guys in that room, really. I mean, and, and there's been a lot of turnover there, whether it be transfers or, or leaving early for the draft or, you know, just things not working out. Uh, that's uh, that's that, that's part of that's all part of it. I mean, you know, you, you just 
kind of took for granted what you had with Josh Gaddis and how long he was here uh, or how long he was with the Franklin staff. Then all of a sudden you get the turnover. Corley doesn't work out. Parker, you know, you think maybe he's got something Then all of a sudden he's off. You need some stubility in there. And that's something that James Franklin talked to Stubblefield about during the hiring process. I'm sure that's something, you know, that, that, that he believes. Um, and we'll see whether that, whether or not that comes to fruition, but yeah, I think, I think it benefit them or it could benefit them both just to settle down. Now, as for who's going to be catching the ball, I mean, you got a chance to talk to Stubblefield more than I do. Um, but yeah, you, you just from listening to James Franklin, you're really not sure. They think they have a couple of young guys that can maybe take that next step. You, you know, you do get Cam Sullivan Brown back from injury. He looked to be uh, you know, a little bit more, uh, you know, he's not, he's not going to be a world beater or anything like that, but a little bit more consistent than you got from that other spot. Uh, you take that next step with Jan- Daniel George. And of course you've got Jahan Dotson there, but really, you know, six months from now, this, this depth chart, this three deep, whatever we throw together here could look very different from what we forecast right now. Yeah, Sean, I, by the way, I learned a long time ago that it helps sometimes to provide that context to the root of your question so a coach doesn't go surface level on you with the answer. And I, I don't think Franklin was going to. Clearly, he was ready to open up on the receiver spot. Uh, but he's not. He, it's not a Franklin thing. It is a, it's me asking questions and not trying to. We get we get very limited questions with Franklin and everybody, and this goes back well before I got to Penn State. So always going to throw out some pesky stats at coaches, and they may not always be of the positive kind. And certainly, it's hard to find a lot of positivity in this positional room, especially when we talk about KJ Hamler leaving early, Justin Shorter uh, moving on to, to the SEC. And Stubblefield went out to dinner with this group as a whole on Tuesday, he told us, and they got together. You know, He's still trying to figure out these personalities. He understands there's a void in leadership right now, not just from a coaching circumstance, because Look, let's face it, depending on how long these guys have been on campus, they may have been recruited by Josh Gaddis, David Corley comes in, Jared Parker comes in, everybody's got a different message, and everybody's trying to tell them how they're going to get things on track, and here they are with yet another uh, voice coming their way, and I think it's going to be important to see who rises up as a peer leader. Now, Jahan Dotson would be the obvious uh, person you would land on based on productivity, experience, but you've known Jahan for a while. I've known him, I think, since his high school sophomore year. You know, He's a soft-spoken guy. He's a, he's a lead by example kind of guy I, you know KJ Hamler I think was willing to get in guys faces um, you know I, we don't I don't know how to read the situation I don't think Taylor Stubblefield does yet but I think it's important that he has a, a couple right hand man in that room that that can help him you know kind of hammer home that message when he's not watching you know when guys are away from the facilities and making sure that these receivers are doing what they need to do to set up a leap in 2020 you know one of the priorities for him early on he said because just like Troutwine, just like Sharaka, the heavy lifting was done for the 2020 recruiting class before they got the job. They inherited a class of their position. They were not part of that process of bringing guys to campus. And at wide receiver, it is a big group to inherit. Five players, two of them on campus right now. He had some some basic relationship with Keandre Lambert because they they were in communication when he was at Miami. But beyond that, you know, I think he was doing a lot of catch up that first week on the job. Of course, we saw him down with Parker Washington, and, and that's how Beltgate ensued. But you know, he was around the country, getting in faces, learning more about mom and dad. You know what makes these kids tick, and, and trying to break some ice. So, so when they get in the spring camp, and, and when some parents get back, uh, things are a little bit more smoother. Everybody can be more at ease and just focus on the task at hand. Um, you know, I will say though, he, he he seems just about as uncertain with his personnel as, as we do, and that's to be understood. He's been on the job for two weeks and three or four. days days uh but it is a murky situation at best daniel george comes to mind as someone who needs to step up 
Matt Kippenhammer, based on on the reporting we've seen, uh, is going to be playing baseball again this spring. Don't know what that does. And, and Cam Sullivan Brown, uh, another name. You know, these guys are not the young kids anymore. They are all of a sudden the veterans of this group. And um, you know, th- it's going to be really interesting to see what happens. Of course, a junior college player coming in with Norvell Black, but a lot to to, to go through on our end. And I think you know Taylor Stubblefield uh, is is just the very basic beginnings of trying to figure out what he's got. And that and and there's no answers to that yet. I mean that that's the thing is like we, and I had this a bunch in my chat last week on on, on the board at Lions twenty four seven is asking a bunch of questions that just frankly don't have answers yet. And there's really not much you can do except except speculate at this point. Now on the flip side of that, you've got Phil Troutwine who walks into a room full of experience. You've got four starters back, and I guess five guys that you could call starters because Mike Miranda and C.J. Thorpe both split starts this year. Um, so it, it's kind of a flip situation. And you know, we talked to Troutwine at, at length the other day, and it's about correcting some things that that he saw on film. And it's just a very different approach. I mean, you you you're 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 not sure what that receiver room is going to look like come August, come September, but you have a pretty good idea of what you're what you're lining up with as an offensive line and that's that's got to be an enviable situation you know when you compare Stubblefield to what Troutwine's walking into I mean obviously there's a big difference there yeah and, and he was an impressive guy you wrote something up uh, on Thursday morning about him essentially being snubbed by Penn State it was a school that he had his sights set on coming out of South Jersey uh, apparently as you noted didn't really know where Rutgers was or, or what a Rutgers was and and put that one in there yeah. <laughs> thank you appreciate that got to, got a little fun feedback on the board from that one but you know I, I think this is a guy who you know he really loves the situation that has been presented to him at 33 years old uh, you know he, he's he's all in on it and, and uh, you know I, I did bring up something that that we talked about when he was hired you know going back to his Florida Gators day that, that locker room has had as much personality as you'll find in a locker room especially based on everything that has come out since with, with, with the personalities. And he said he could write a book on his experiences there. And being a team captain uh, with the Florida Gators, winning those national titles has really equipped him to be a leader of young men uh, as he is now. And, you know, he's still close enough to his career and in his NFL experience where he still resonates with the players uh, in some peer aspect. But you know, very clear that, that he wants to clean things up. Um, you know, not saying anything about about Lime Grover, but you know, I think he's going to be on a mission to to really from the technique standpoint. Um, and and I also I'm curious. It's I did not hear this question asked. It's not a question I got to ask myself. And the media period ended while I was with Phil. Um, I'm curious if he has any ambitions to shuffle the deck or if, you know, this, the guys we saw playing where they were in 2019 are going to be in the same spots in 2020. I'm not sure if that's came up for you, Sean, but it's something I was curious about, whether it's a, a Will Fries or, or those guys at right guard, CJ Thorpe and Mike Miranda, even Mike Mennett at center. And, um, I will say one thing he, he could not say enough about Rashid Walker's potential. And, and that is very little surprise if you paid attention in 2019. He, he talked very little about personnel in terms of what he plans to do. I think he's got some ideas in mind. I think it helps to have a guy like Mennett in the middle of that line. And and you're right. I mean, he could play guard, but I, I still think the most value that can, you can get out of him as a veteran is to make those calls and to be that guy. And you, you're going to plug somebody in there at left guard or, you know, figure out if you, if you've got a guy at right guard that, you know, you, you think you're going to stick with. Um, I mean, he's got options here and it's, I think that's really what it comes down to. Um, and, and I hate to compare receivers to, to, to the offensive line, but this is a group that's far ahead of, and they expect it to be far ahead of where they're going and where this offense is going running the football. I mean, that's a good spot to be in, but yeah, you're right. 
I think he kind of tipped his hand a little bit about what he sees in Rasheed Walker. And I think for good reason, I think Rasheed Walker is a, a tremendous prospect at the next level. And, you know, I'm not sure how much longer they're going to have him, especially he had that red shirt season. But if he takes the next step, I mean, he's got all the potential in the world. But yeah, you've got that veteran presence coming back. Like I said, five guys that have started. You see what you've got with Thorpe. You see what you've got with with Miranda. And I think that's probably going to be uh, the, the tipping point for Troutwine this spring is to see what they have with those guys because they still really like Caden Wallace. They still have a couple of guys on that roster that they think can can be good depth guys, can be good guys that can push for that starting job, but maybe not frontline starters right now. And and where is Juice Scruggs on his recovery, right? I mean, a guy that, you know, this time last year, you talked to the Penn State staff, that there were really uh, some genuine excitement about what he could bring to the table during the 2019 season as a redshirt freshman. You know, he, he suffers a back injury in an accident, shelved for the entire season. So that's also something we'll be keeping tabs on going into the spring. And again, speaks to the potential depth that Trotwine may be working with. Um, Sean, the new coaches are in place. We had a chance to speak with them. We're still waiting on... One more vacancy to be filled. You and I will touch on that, the defensive line spot, just around the corner. But first, a word from our sponsors. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Earlier this week, Sean Spencer confirming he's on his way to the NFL. A really heartfelt message from Coach Chaos to those who impacted his stay in Happy Valley, particularly to James Franklin, who he was with for nine seasons going back to Vanderbilt. But life moves on at Penn State, and they are going to be looking to fill that spot in the next few days. I would imagine before we get a chance to, to post our next podcast, heck, at this rate, with these hires and how they've been timed, maybe before this podcast gets posted. But Sean, you've been constructing the the candidate board. You've been updating it, dropping guys, adding guys. Any sense of, of where things are headed? Uh, a little bit, yeah. We've gotten a little bit clearer on that board. I got a couple of guys, a couple of college coaches that uh, seem to be uh, you know, well into the mix. But I think that, that the thing that kind of throws this, that everything off is there's been some NFL interest in the job as well. And that's been something that, you know, we've talked about this before. It's tough to go from the NFL back to college. Recruiting is a grind. The The lifestyle is much different. Uh, it's going to be tough to, I guess, convince people. But on the flip side, I think there's been more interest than James Franklin expected from the, the NFL side. So, um, you know, you're going to get back and you're going to hear a guy that we have on our list, Jerry Montgomery of the, the Green Bay Packers. I mean, how realistic is it to, to, to land the coach from the Green Bay, basically the Green Bay Packers or the NFL is going to take a, a, a full-time NFL defensive line coach job and then all of a sudden jump back into recruiting, jump back into all that. That's that's just tough for me to process. I mean, because you know how much how much these guys are on the road, how much lifestyle change that is how much 
less golf that you play when you're a college coach. Um, so that's going to be one thing to look at. But, uh, you know, it's it's certainly a possibility. Uh, Elijah Robinson, you know, I, I don't want to say it fell through because it really was never in place, but that was the guy that they turned to first. Of course, he played at Penn State. He was spent four years at Penn State in an off-the-field role. Um, you know, really one of the best defensive line coaches in the country. He's going to stick with Texas A&M. And, you know, he's turned down Texas. Um, he's turned down Rutgers. I'm sorry. Uh, I got to slide that in there. He's turned down NFL jobs. So he seems pretty comfortable at Texas. Texas A&M is doing a really good job down there and it's just one of the best defensive line coaches in the country. And that's, that's what happens sometimes. You just, you know, you've got your guy and you want to go after him and sometimes it doesn't work. So uh, Robinson made it off the board. There's a couple of other college guys that they're in uh, talking to. You just look back at the, uh, the contacts that some of these guys have with, uh, you know, with James Franklin or with other members of the staff. And it's funny because you go back and they go back a long way. Some of these guys, and it's just, uh, it's, it's, it's a mess, but it isn't. And I think that once they get going, and James Franklin alluded to this on Wednesday, once they get going and find the guy that they want, they can turn it around pretty quickly. But it's a grind to get there. Now, I feel pretty confident by the time we we publish this, uh, and I've got to uh, edit this podcast, so obviously it might take a little bit longer than you, you think it will. But I don't think it's going to come in the next uh, 24 hours or so. But once they get done, once they can turn it around, I think it'll pre it'll come pretty quick. So do expect something over the next couple of days. Yeah, and by the way, uh, Texas A&M, nice signing day for them with uh, wrapping it up with a four-star defensive tackle edition and Elijah Robinson putting in that work. And certainly it was something that he probably had to address, not probably, definitely had to address on the recruiting trail with his future. And to your point, yeah, it is a big leap to go from being a guy who's working with NFL players and you on any given week you can say, I don't want this guy anymore and talk to the GM and talk to your head coach and you could cut the last man in your position group, find another guy on the waiver wire, turn around that roster if you like a player a lot you can sign him to a six-year contract extension and now you're asking him to come to a campus and say here are your rental car keys we need you down in virginia uh for a 7 30 a.m meeting tomorrow with a 16 year old who can't sign with us for 18 more months and you got to pitch him now that, that is a big undertaking I yeah mean. no no doubt and it, it's one thing when you look at uh, the guys there's a lot of guys that have jumped from college to the nfl that maybe you know and, and sean spencer's a bad example because he was a full-time d-line coach and now he's going to be the d-line coach of the giants but you know you see college coaches hopping for you know i don't want to call them lateral steps because you're going from college to pro but i mean that's uh the, the lifestyle is something to take into account. And of course, you know, NFL uh, population bases, you go, you go to different cities, there's maybe more to do here than there is to do in, you know, the Iowa city or something like that. So it's uh, it, it's, there's a lot that goes into this decision. It's tough for me to see uh, an NFL guy coming back into play, but you know, stranger things have happened. And, you know, some of those guys that they're interviewing with NFL experience, you look at uh, uh, some, some guys that were recently let go all of a sudden are looking for a job and Hey, college might look, might look pretty good to them after uh, being on the un- unemployment market for a few weeks. Yeah. And, and the silver lining here, maybe for James Franklin and, and the Penn state program is February. Uh, not a lot happened on the recruiting trail, the way, the way things are conducted now with the recruiting calendar. February is very much, uh, a sleepy time for these assistant coaches in terms of what they can and can't do, uh, with recruits. And, uh, maybe that gives you, buys you a little time to figure things out. Uh, one thing that did happen last week was a junior day and, and they capped off January with, with yet another key weekend. It was a theme throughout the month. 
month. We've had you covered here with a lot of that discussion. Brian Doan, our national analyst, uh, was on a little while back and, and kind of breaking down some things Penn State was doing. We had a ton of content up on the site over the last weekend, and a particularly key player, uh, one that this next decision on the staff is going to factor into, is Aaron Armitage uh, out of New Jersey, Blair Academy, the same program that produced Jason Oway a couple cycles ago. He's in New Jersey now, but he is a a Canadian transplant who is who has put himself on the map in a big way. Got a bunch of offers. He's a top ten strong side defensive end uh, in twenty four seven sports evaluation, and uh, this is one that you know very clearly a lot of defensive line players, including Armitage, are going to be watching uh, very closely to see what James Franklin does. Yeah, you develop those relationships over the uh, over a number of years, and, and Sean Spencer was you know at Blair Academy a couple of weeks ago, and all of a sudden he's gone, and that's tough to uh, tough to overcome that. But it's not something that's completely going to you know knock Penn State out of the mix. It's just one of those things that you got to find the right guy to fit your program, and hopefully he clicks with one of these guys. I mean, you've got I, I think it's a very important cycle for defensive end, uh, defensive tackle maybe not so much, but still there's a there's a number of guys there. You look at Tyleek Williams and. Virginia, uh, Taiwan Malone in Jersey, um, you know, all of a sudden, you know, you're in a spot where you've got to, I guess, fill out the gaps in your roster and defensive end is one of those ones where you signed, you know, Smith Vilbert last year and Adisa Isaac did not use a red shirt. And, you know, you're bringing in Bryce Mostella this year and, you know, it's just kind of, you need, you need to hit on some of these, these top level guys. So we'll, we'll see what happens from a defensive end standpoint, but yeah, I think that the next defensive line coach is going to be very important to Aaron Armitage. I don't think it's a typical recruitment in that you look at his offer list and he's got uh, Michigan and Penn State and Notre Dame and Ohio State. I think some academic schools can be in play here. He wants to go out and see Stanford and some other schools in the, in the spring. Virginia is in play here heavily as well because of their academic situation. So I think it's gonna it's not going to be a typical recruitment, but you've got to get a defensive coach in that can click with a guy like Armitage because I think that is a guy that's a very realistic, uh, very real, realistically could end up as one of maybe the centerpieces of your class. Quarterback often the centerpiece of a recruiting class, and we've talked Good about segue. a lot. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate working on those. Uh, the 2021 recruiting class at quarterback. Got to start that conversation with Caleb Williams, as we have several times here on the podcast. Uh, Garrett Nussmeyer is a player I caught up with out of the state of Texas. His father is the quarterback's coach for the Dallas Cowboys. A story up on that toward the end of last week. I forget if we hit on that with the podcast, but long story short, Nussmeyer may be going to commit around Easter. It's not as certain as it was. Don't think he'll be back to Penn State before he announces a decision, and he plans on only using an official visit to the school of his choice. Now, Nussmeyer was on campus last summer, was on campus in the fall, but Christian Veyu was on campus last weekend, which means he had a chance to sit down with Kirk Sharaka, the new positional coach. Ricky Ronnie was the guy spearheading this recruitment before. Uh, now it's Sharaka, and they had an interesting viewing session in Happy Valley, Sean. Got to watch a little Penn State, and I uh, got to watch a little Penn State lose to Minnesota. Uh, that was a very interesting uh, approach. Um, I, I, I get it. Obviously, he wants to show, uh, Kirk Shiraka wants to show how they attack as 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 an offense rather than just, you know, here's what Penn State did and here's what Penn State didn't do. So uh, you put the tape on to the Gophers, and all of a sudden you, you like what you see. And, you know, I think he really liked what he saw. It was his first chance to meet him on campus. Now, uh, you know, they Penn State's been out and about and have stopped by the school a couple of times but you get him on campus you spend some extended time there you go to the hockey game which you know he he, christian admitted he's not the hockey player in his family his little brother is so maybe didn't tip the scales
details as much for the Canadian prospect as you would think, but here we are. So, um, but but you get him back on campus. I don't think he's in a in a rush to do anything. I think Penn State's in a pretty good spot right now. But as you mentioned, a lot of those dominoes rely on Caleb Williams, and that's not just at Penn State. That's at you know at LSU, at uh, Oklahoma, at a couple of different you know Clemson's even in the mix as well. Uh, a couple other schools still in the in the mix for Caleb Williams. So you know, quite frankly. I think Penn State wants Veyu. I think he's probably the most realistic right now. But at the same time, I, I don't see them, you know, I don't see them having a problem waiting around for him. And he doesn't seem to want to make a decision anytime soon anyway. It will be interesting to see when when a decision is made by either Penn State or a player and when that comes because Caleb Williams has everything under his control. Uh, no one's going to pressure him into announcing anything. And as I said, it seems like Nussmeyer plans to be coming off the board this spring. And based on everything I've gathered from our conversations, he is not a kid who's going to take another look elsewhere once he makes a decision. And by the way, his recruitment has blown up this winter as well. A bunch of new Power 5 offers for Nussmeyer. So uh, a lot to, to kind of delve through at quarterback. Veyu continues to be a name that surfaces. We go from a couple of Canadian players uh, to Virginia. Virginia, where Penn State has really cultivated quite a pipeline, uh, and and certainly the last few years they have signed their fair share of prospects. A five-star guy like Brandon Smith, top running backs Ricky Slade, Devin Ford. Uh, you've gotten mixed results from some of these guys, but the name to know there in 2021 is Tony Grimes, and he was on campus yet again. Uh, Brian Doan reported before this visit that he will be returning for an official visit when Penn State hosts Ohio State next season, and presumably what will be the whiteout game and that. That'll be a big recruiting to do. But Tony Grimes, the number one cornerback in the country, got to campus, got a chance to spend more time with this staff. And I think he is feeling the love. The big difference here, as Brian Doan noted in his reporting, was mom came this time. And, and that was big. Yeah, that's always big to get mom on campus. And uh, it's it's one of those things where they're just going to have to keep bringing him back. He's in no hurry. We mentioned the December 1st decision date is something that he has pretty well set in stone. But uh, this is a this is a. This is a big recruitment. I have him uh, made up my defensive big board, and it's finally going to come out at some point. Uh, started working on some other stuff. Good job not giving goes. an exact date. That was very uh, yeah exactly. <laughs> I thought, I thought you were going to give a date. Yeah, I th- I was close, <laughs> man. Uh, but I have Tony Grimes as number one uh, on that defensive side of the ball. I think there's you know you can make an argument for a couple of different guys at the top of that list, but Tony Grimes is an elite cornerback, and really uh, you're up a weight class if you're Penn State. I mean, you're competing with some really really good schools here. You've got a guy that. It's maybe just on the edge of your typical recruiting area, but you've gotten them up to campus a couple of times. They seem to like what you're doing right now uh, with with the Grimes camp. So it's a very important recruitment for Penn State. Could be a very big statement for Penn State if they were to land him. Uh, like I said, that nothing's happening anytime soon, but you position yourself well early. You keep getting him back to campus, and, and really anything can happen. This is one that, you know, at the outset of his recruitment, maybe looked like he was going to look at some schools in Texas or Florida or, you know, Ohio State's been bouncing around. Clemson's always brought up with prospects in that region, but Penn State's staying right there. And and really, when you're recruiting at this level and when you're recruiting at the level that you're trying to get, which is a college football playoff type level, you eventually want to win some of these. From a five-star defensive prospect to a couple guys who, as of now, are in that three-star category, but could be very important for Penn State as this 2021 recruiting cycle progresses. Again, part of this junior day, uh, and both in their own way attached to Sean Spencer as well. Uh, Jeff Davis, a cornerback out of Connecticut. Spencer uh, was was huge uh, up in Connecticut, up in New England, getting guys like Marquise Wilson, Tyler Rudolph, Will Levis at quarterback even. And then on the defensive line, uh, Dorian Ford, a defensive tackle out of Pittsburgh. 
Pittsburgh. Both of those, again, not the the clout on the recruiting trail as some of the guys we've gone over just now, uh, but but very much on the target board. Important guys, yeah. And we mentioned defensive tackle. There's some other guys on the board as well. But Dorian Ford, anytime that you can get a guy that's, you know, he's 6'3", close to 300 pounds, and he moves pretty well, uh, there's not a lot of those guys out there. So you want to take them. And, of course, he's in-state. I see this as an in-state battle with Pittsburgh. And, you know, Penn State's gotten him up to campus, I think, six or seven times in the last year. So that's uh, certainly a good a good showing there. Jeff Davis just kind of has the feel of a guy that's going to end up in the class and sort of like we felt with uh, with Tyler Rudolph a couple of years ago. He just keeps popping back up. He's got the profile that they look for, the length. He can run well, a uh, pretty good football player. So I, I, I like where Penn State stands coming out of this. I don't know uh, you know, he's probably he's obviously not at the top of that uh, cornerback board where you've got guys like uh, like Grimes that we just talked about, Jordan Hancock down in Georgia, a couple of other cornerbacks uh, that are out there on the board. But uh, he's got versatility. He's got a lot. To, he's got there's a lot to like about Jeff Davis. We have him listed as a mid three star prospect on on 24 seven sports. And I think the composite's slightly higher than that. This is a kid that I see uh, rising up. I've talked to Doan about him. Doan's a pretty big fan of him. And after the junior tape that he put together, you know, I could see him trending upward so while it might not these guys might not be the you know the sexy pick right now in terms of uh of guys that you want to forecast in your class in february uh i think they'd still be quality ads and they were back on campus and and really you mentioned it before uh they got to find a guy that comes in i mean spencer was locked into the defensive line of course and you see that with dorian ford and connecticut the new england area you see that with jeff davis going to be important uh important places for Penn State to address and whether that's the new defensive line coach, whether that's moving some guys around. James Franklin said they thought they had a good idea of where they were going in terms of uh, splitting up territories. Now, all of a sudden, you kind of got to wait for the new guy to come in and, and, and see where you go from that standpoint. They maximized this Saturday. A nice list put together here. Linebacker Jamari Budden out of Michigan, a guy who's gotten a lot of interest across the Big Ten and beyond. Um, he's a name that stood out. But I think from a positional group standpoint, we talked about Kirk Shiraka, you know, getting a quarterback prospect front and center, having that quality time in person. Uh, you know, who had a big opportunity was Phil Troutwine this past weekend. Offered offensive linemen like Garrett Dellinger, Rocco Spindler, Eli Sutton, Caleb Tiernan, one who does not have an offer, but as we mentioned last week, uh, I spoke with him. Um, Tristan Bounds, a six foot eight, 255, 260 pound lineman who certainly is on the radar to say the least, and he's got a bunch of power five options. Uh, quite the crew. We'll see who ends up you know, materializing into a long-term Penn State target, maybe jumps on board in this class, but you know, Phil Troutwine had his opportunity to impress. I mean, this guy has been getting kids on campus over and over again. Um, you know, he still has a couple of guys to get back, big fish to get back on, like Nolan Rucci, um, who's probably going to visit at, or who will visit after. I don't want to say probably. That'll get some people in a tizzy, but plans to visit after the, the dead period. Tristan Lee, uh, you know, Clemson and LSU have come on very strong as of late, and he likes them a lot. So get him back on campus. Of course, Wyatt Millam was on, unable to make the trip a couple of weeks ago because of the snowstorm. Want to get him back on campus as well, but yeah, I mean he's he's got Rocco Spindler coming out, Garrett Dellinger, his teammate coming out, uh, Caleb Tiernan. I mean, there's a lot of names that have popped up on this offensive line board that you know you maybe kind of overlooked early in the process, and then you get a fresh start, you get a shot in the arm here with Phil Troutwine, and they seem to like what he's doing. Eli Sutton is a guy we really haven't even mentioned either. He just put Penn State, I believe, in his top seven or six or seven uh, on signing day. So I mean, there's. No shortage of names, and Phil Troutwine's a big reason for it. 
And one name you didn't mention there, but we've talked about it at length on the podcast. Landon Tengwall has already been the campus since Troutwine uh, got this job. So, yeah, he's laying a lot of that foundation right now. Impressive work out of him. Now, it was the junior day, the high school juniors we just talked about were, were in focus. But beyond that, big name popped up later in the week, Wilfredo Ibar. I believe he is the number two defensive lineman as of now in the early stages of 24-7 Sports 2022 prospect rankings. Um, what do you make of this visit? What do you make of Ibar, Sean? Uh, I, you know, Ibar is a very good prospect. I don't know that he's going to be in that uh, that five star range or number four prospect over in the, all in the country. I don't know. I, you know, there there are going to be guys that come up and pass him, but still, there's a lot to like. Uh, again, going back to what we said about Armitage and what we said about uh, Ford and Jeff Davis is, you know, his point of contact was going to be Sean Spencer. Or he, you know, he's a Connecticut guy, so you know, anytime there's a Connecticut guy, especially defensive lineman, you have to include Sean Spencer in that mix. Now, all of a sudden, he's out of it. Um, you know, he got a pretty good idea of what they're trying to do uh, from a, a philosophical standpoint and things like that. But really, it, it's it's going to be one of those situations where he, a defensive line's coach is going to have to come in. He's going to come in sort of cold because he can't go right on the road. Trout wines, double field, uh, to a lesser extent, Shiraka were able to get out and, and, and put a face with the name right away and get on the road. New defensive line coach won't be able to do that. So you're going to be playing catch up a little bit over the next month or two for the, whoever that new guy is but yeah i mean uh, to, to get ibar back on campus he came in for a game late in the year um so to just get keep getting him back to campus uh he's not going to decide anytime soon but when he you know when it comes down to making that top five list or setting those officials or making that uh, that eventual decision i think penn state's going to be right there because of the early impression that they've made on him as an entire staff He's another player out of New England, uh, hometown in Massachusetts, I believe, but he goes to the Cheshire Academy in, in Connecticut when we've seen that program produce a lot of Power 5 prospects during recent years. So uh, another name to know. And then we'll go real long distance. Uh, someone who we discussed previewing the, the, the event last week, Matthias Mega Barnwell, six foot five, 240-ish pounds right now as a freshman in high school of Spotsylvania in Virginia. Uh, he's a guy who continues to talk about playing tight end. I think Penn State is very much happy to talk about him playing tight end at this stage, but I think he's 14, 15 years old. You already heard the measurements. You heard us last week. Sure looks like offensive tackle could lie in his future, but comes away with a strong impression of Penn State. For a young kid, he's already got the whiteout game experience. I would imagine they'll do their best to, to make that an annual occurrence for, for Barnwell, who will continue to see his recruitment blow up. And I'd imagine once the camp circuit hits this spring, he will be an ascending name to know in that 2023 class at a national level. You purists may want to turn it off right now. Just tell him what he wants to hear right now. I mean, he's a, he's a freshman in high school. If you, you think he wants to hear tight end, Great. Come in and be the best tight end you can get. Uh, you can be. Nature is going to take its course, as we've seen so many times in the last couple of years. Uh, or I guess, I mean, it's it's been more than the last couple of years, but we'll see where, where it goes with that. Um, turning our attention very quickly, a couple of things that popped up on signing day. As we said, it was not an eventful signing day in terms of uh, recruiting for Penn State, but looking ahead at 2021, two names uh, to know down in South Florida. Both of these guys released a top six list on Wednesday. And, you know, in, in today's terms, top six is kind of narrowing it down because uh, we see a lot of top tens, twelves, fifteens out there. The first, Terrence Lewis, he's considered the number two outside linebacker in composite rankings. He's at Chaminade Madonna High School. 
following a recent transfer. That's where Penn State signed wide receiver John Dunmore in the 2019 class. The other name to know there, uh, he's a little bit lesser of a recruit when you look at the composite rankings. I believe he's in the three-star realm, but love his junior tape. He split time between a couple schools as a junior, ended up at Miami Central High School, won a state championship there. You'll Keith Brown. Um, I hope I'm saying that first name correctly. It's the first time I've heard myself say it. I've written it a few times, but he's down there uh, again at Miami Central, a powerhouse program in its own right. Plays cornerback, plays receiver. He's been putting on a show in the seven on seven circuit. And before he made this announcement, Steve Wiltfung had spoken to him at the All American um, Combine for the underclassmen out in San Antonio in January. He pointed to Penn State along with the Florida Gators as this two schools pushing for a most. You're not going to be surprised, Jaywan Sider, a key part of this process, but the other name he mentioned during that discussion with Wilt Fong uh, was Jared Parker playing a role in his recruitment. So uh, we'll see if Taylor Stubblefield is emerging uh, in that process, but uh, uh, he's a guy, again, you turn on the highlights, he looks like he exceeds where he is, and I think he's like 340, 350 in the composite rankings, but again, South Florida, you like the traction that Penn State has built up. Sometimes it's hard to remember. Jaywan Sider's been on campus now for just two years. Last three cycles, they've signed seven guys out of Florida. They've got a couple four-star running backs uh, coming up with the 2020 class, one already here. And again, just two names to tuck away here. Maybe they'll take official visits in the spring. And what we've seen in the recent cycles, sometimes it, that's all it takes. A, a positive experience for a weekend on campus, follow-up visits down in home turf from the recruiting staff, specifically J1 Sider with the family. And next thing you know, the kid signed, sealed, and delivered. Not saying that will be the case here, but it's not as far-fetched as maybe we thought it may have been, you know, say winter of 2018 going into 19 even. These kids trust Jaywan Sider so much. You saw it with John Dunmore, just one visit. Uh, Kevon Lee, just one visit. Uh, uh, last year, Keziah Holmes as well. So, I mean, they just trust him so much. The relationships down there are, are phenomenal. You mentioned Terrence Lewis at Shamanon Madano. They've, they've also got a couple of other guys. Of course, that's John Dunmore's old high school, Braylon Brown, Thad Franklin, who put out a top 12 yesterday as well that had Penn State on it. So these guys, are, these are guys that you're going to circle um, when you're talking about potential official visits. Now, it's one thing to get them up and then, you know, you turn it around and you, you show them the vision. You show them what uh, what Cider has in mind. And so far, you know, they, I'll be honest, they've had more success in Florida than I thought they would. That's not me doubting Jaywan Cider. That's me as a person that's traveled to Florida several times from State College. It's not easy to do. It's not <laughs> fun to do sometimes. Sometimes you end up in a van coming up from Dallas Airport, but uh, it's just part of uh, part of that travel, and it's it's not always fun. But you turn it around and and you make the most of it. And so far, they've done that. And I think they're going to continue to get some of these guys on campus. the The Penn State brand very strong, very appealing down there. And and really, I mean, he got he said it a couple of weeks ago. He got the blessing from Uncle Luke, and really, that's all you can ask for at this point. How's this for a segue? I will be in Florida in about forty eight hours, and I'll be staying there throughout the week next week. So. We'll not be joining you on the upcoming episode of the podcast. However, still get to hear me because we've got another early enrollee interview. You can check that next week. But, Sean, you'll be manning the fort alone for the next podcast. And I know you'll, you'll do just well in that role. Yeah, I have no idea what I'm going to do. But uh, we'll figure <laughs> something out and we'll get something out for you guys next week. Awesome. Well, on behalf of Sean Fitz, I'm Tyler Donahue. You got a chance to hear from a bunch of those assistant coaches. We have a lot of content up on the site, videos, written pieces, some more on Ricky Slade's entrance to the transfer portal, and a lot on recruiting as always. For now, though, that's going to do it for this episode. We'll catch you soon on the Lions 24-7 podcast.